Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. God bless you. I want to say Jess will be back. We're just having a little problem connecting with him. Today's show is going to be interesting because we're going to give some more kudos to Pope Benedict XVI about uh, his his testimony that he did August 29, 2006. If you haven't heard it, it's really worth listening to. Also, we're going to be talking about the final hours of his life. It's very beautiful. We're also going to be talking about a Hungarian archbishop who blasts Freemasonry, the LGBT ideology, and the rising of Islam in Europe. Is he still alive? I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, no, this was a great article that he really spoke very clearly. Uh, Jess will be here in a minute, but I also want to just mention the good-to-know file. Idaho Supreme Court upholds all state abortion bans in pro-life victory. Jess, this is good news. It shows that each state, like Texas and all the states that can protect the unborn because of the Supreme Court decision that gives it back to the states. Also, another good news story, Arkansas. There's a bill that just came and passed. It's a bill stopping drag shows as adult, uh, saying that you can't show these drag shows to kids. It's, it's a called, they're going to be, they're going to be categorized as adult business, like, you know, pimps, shops, and all this you know, garbage stuff. But at least it's a step in the right direction because it's not, they're not going to be able to have these drag shows for little kids. So I think, Arkansas, thanks for moving the football towards the touchdown. Jess, I see you there, buddy. Uh, welcome back from yesterday. Yeah, Terry, too bad not, that's not the case in most other states. Not in our state. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, what it's, it's, it's very clear, and I don't know why... I don't know how Catholics can vote for Democrats. I'll, I don't, I'll be honest, and I'll tell you why. This is not a political statement. No, it's just a fact. It's a fact. In the states that are run by Democrats, yeah. federal and, 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 and state offices, this is where you see these drag queen shows. Yep. And in states that are run by Republicans, uh, you know, federal and state, these are the states that don't allow this. Yep. Uh, and so... But doesn't anybody care about what's happening to kids any longer? The, the, when I was a kid, if somebody would have dressed like that in public or inside of a classroom and gyrated their pelvis like they like they do in front of these kids, they would have been arrested, Terry. It was called indecent exposure. Yeah. It was a crime up until not too long ago. But again, now you have again... Woke prosecutors put in by George Soros and the Democrats. And so now they've moved the football. In other words, what was once a crime, a yep. felony and a misdemeanor, Terry, now it's no crime at all. Well, you know, Jesse, I make the connection because Benedict made this years ago saying our culture is so pornographic in its uh, approach to life. There's there's so much bad stuff on TV, on the Internet. And then they have this idea that, hey, we should be pure. Nobody should be having abusing children. And he's going, hello, did you forget something? And what you forgot was we've got to clean up our own mess at home and not point the finger at others because the pornography is driving all of this uh, sexual abuse that's going on in the world. Without that, they wouldn't have the fuel to do it. That's, my, that's Benedict's take on that. Yeah, and uh, and I'll tell you, <clears throat> unfortunately, <clears throat> most of the pornography, at ninety to ninety-five percent of the pornography, 
is filmed, uh, directed, and disseminated from the West San Fernando Valley right. throughout the entire world. Uh, in your backyard when you were in California. Yeah, when I was in California. I lived in the East San Fernando Valley, right. but the West San Fernando Valley yeah. is where uh, this is the capital of pornography around the world. Yep. Uh, again, you got some wicked people that live in those places that are promoting this complete poison, poisoning the mind of our culture. Here's a couple of other stories that are pretty good. Yeah. DeSantis is poised to strike Disney World. Good. Governor Ron DeSantis, from a Republican governor from Florida, is pushing a bill that would deprive Disney World of its special self-governing status. So sources in DeSantis' office told Fox News that the self-governing status of the company would be replaced by a state-run board with members appointed by the governor himself. <laughs> so he's going to clean up Disney in Florida, oh, yeah. whether you like it or not. Also, not so good news. CVS and Walgreens <sighs> to sell abortion drugs. Yeah. Yep. Retail giants CVS and Walgreens have announced they intend to fill prescriptions for the abortion drug Mifepristone. Immediately after the Biden administration's Food and Drug Administration changed its rules to allow it. Mifepristone is the first of two pills used in a chemical abortion. The drug ends an unborn ch uh, a life by cutting off the nutrients necessary for the baby to live. Once again, <clears throat> as soon as Biden came into office, you see him uh, just pedal to the metal on these pro-life pieces of, uh, I mean, pro-death pieces of legislation and the blue states are taking the ball and just running with it. Yep. Also, Ke Kevin McCarthy, a California Republican, and I guess uh, the verdict's still out on him. We'll, we'll we'll see. So far, he's been saying some pretty good things, and I've been uh, and I've been watching him. He was elected Speaker of the House in a dramatic round of voting in the early hours of Saturday morning. The last remaining six Republican holdouts agreed to vote present on the fifteenth ballot after McCarthy agreed to a series of concessions. That's a good thing which including, included placing conservatives on the Rules Committee, capping discretionary spending, and establishing a committee to investigate the weaponization of the FBI and the Justice Department. So, so far, Terry, he's moving in the right direction. And here's one more good story. Pussycat doll singer shares abortion experience and warns you will regret it your whole life. She said this that uh, on a podcast that she said... It left her with pain, anger, and warned women against making the same choice she did before she was turning to Christ. She basically had a metanoia, conversion. God bless her. And now she's trying to reach out to young people saying, don't do it. So I, I appreciate that because she could have been quiet about it. But no, she's saying, look, I did it. It was wrong. I still, to this day, it haunts me. And many women say that. So I just think that uh, what's happening now is that more people are coming out and saying, look, this life of debauchery, it stinks. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, yesterday I was at a, pro at a protest over at the Arizona State Capitol. Tell us about it. And there was, a, a, you know, the, the leftists were there as well. Mostly they're young college kids, high school kids. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a lot, of, a, a lot of signs that were wearing on their chest, T-shirts, you know, blouses, LGBT, you know, uh, and just different signs promoting gay pride and all that other, all that other sin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, I usually don't want to go to these protests, but I did. This other gentleman, Catholic friend, Chris, said, hey, Jess, let's go talk to them. So we went across the street and talked to some of these kids, these young college kids. And um, Terry, you can just see the way the educational system has completely blinded them to reality. Yeah, Their 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 thoughts are irrational. 
the way they compute things, the way they think, Terry, they, they've lost their ability to think rationally. Morality's gone out the window. We're, we're looking at a generation, as I was looking at these young teenagers across the street from us, I, I could see just a whole generation of what St. Uh, Pope Benedict XVI called, the di- they're victims of the dictatorship of relativism. Yes. They believe, Terry, that you can think using your emotions and passions and appetites. They Reason goes right out the window with them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have already their, their pat, uh, their, their pat, answers that that uh, they're already you know ready to like the bible's full of errors uh, or uh or you know they'll say things like um uh you know what's it your business what we do in the bedroom you can already say they already have their their talking points oh yeah and and it was just sad to see you know uh, just to see a society a generation of young people that are going to catholic i mean public uh, colleges state colleges uh what they do to their intellect, Terry, is a crime. Yeah. It is. It is. And Jesse, you know who does a good job in the colleges today? Several good people. But one is Ben Shapiro. Just go on YouTube and type yeah. some of the approaches he has with young people on transgenderism. And he'll say things like this. Oh, so tell me, how old are you? And the girl, little girl will say, I'm 22. He says, well, aren't you 62? Well, why aren't you 62? See, and she, there, she looks at him like a deer in the headlights. Like, she doesn't even understand the logic that Ben yeah. is taking. This is what we're dealing with. It's all emotions, no intellect, Jess. Yeah, I give props to uh, uh, Daily Wire and TPUSA. Yeah, uh, both those organizations, they have a lot of young adults there. They go out and they challenge these college kids and yeah. they engage them in conversation. So my hat's to both off those organizations. We need to do that. Hey, we're going to get to the gospel. I already talked about what we're going to cover today, but I also want to mention... The uh, conference that's coming up this Saturday, it's the uh, evangelization conference with Johnny Romero and myself, and we're going to still take registrations even at the conference on Saturday. We start at 8 a.m., and first talk is at 9 o'clock. You're going to learn a lot about evangelization and how to share your faith with anyone and how to bring fallen away Catholics back home. we got to get back on our focus of the mission of the church. The mission of the church is not scandal right now. That's what we seem to be focusing on. The mission of the church is to introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to do. If you want to just watch it, you can do that by calling 877-526-2151. From anywhere in the world, you can, it'll be streamed right after the conference. So do that now. Go to vmpr.org, register online, or call us at 877-526-2151. When we come back, we're going to give you the gospel. We call yeah, it soul food. I also want to give a, a Johnny me, Romero out. evangelization story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. That's yeah. a good teaser. Anything yeah. on that? I got a really good story <laughs> my brother Johnny, an evangelization story. You're going to and you're going to say, yeah, I want to go listen to this guy. This exactly. guy's got my, he's got my attention. And then, well, yeah, we'll also do a, some soul food. Today's gospel oh, yeah. uh, is a spiritual warfare gospel, so it's going to be good as well. Oh, yeah. And then we go with full sheen ahead, and then we move oh, on yeah. to Benedict. You don't want to stay with yeah. us, family. Hey, we're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Jess Romero, Terry Barber, we'd be billionaires because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Stay with us, family. We'll be back right after a short break. Hit it, Jess. 
We're back to Terry and Jesse's show. I am the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady. And I'm the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady. I'm on the edge of my chair for Johnny Romero's story. Come on, brother. Okay. Hit me. Now, this happened about two years ago. (laughs) This was was probably at the height of the BLM riots and the Antifa riots. In fact, I I remember the date. I wrote it down. It happened on June 25th, 2020. This shows my, he's always been like this. He has zeal for the gospel. Amen. He has apostolic zeal. He's a Marine. He's a former fighter as well. He's a kickboxer and a black belt (laughs) like myself. And we, we fought, we were, we were high level amateur, uh, state champions. Uh, we, we, we had a reputation back in the eighties, the Romero brothers, me and my brother, Johnny, but we've both maintained that same zeal, the, the zeal for fighting. Yep. We, we brought it into our faith. And, and Johnny, again, I'm a former cop. Johnny's a former Marine. So here's what happened on June 25th, 2020. <clears throat> Johnny was uh, on his way back from work. He, he works for the city of Los Angeles. He's driving back from downtown Los Angeles, and he was called by a fellow pro-life Catholic, a, fr- a good friend of, of mine and my wife, Laura Chavez. Mm-hmm. And she told my brother that Black Lives Matter and Antifa were on their way to San Fernando Mission Park, which is across the street from the, Ca- the, the San Fernando Catholic Mission. That's where me and Anita got married in 1983. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> about 100 anarchists were marching over there to tear down a statue of St. Junipero Serra, which is, which is uh, right across from the church. My brother Johnny, again, he, 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 he's talking to Laura on the phone, and he diverted, instead of going home, he diverted to San Fernando Mission Park mm-hmm. without hesitating. Why did he do that? Because he loves God and he loves the Catholic faith. Yeah. And so he drove over to San Fernando Mission Park armed, not with an AR-15, but what they gave him in the, in the Marines. No, he was armed with a rosary <laughs> and, and armed with his Catholic faith. He got there. He didn't know who was going to be there. He just says, hey, nobody's going to tear down a statue, not, a, not on my watch of a saint. He, so he got there. He sees six other Catholic men they were uh, they were in front of the statue. Johnny went over there, so he's number seven now. And they just like all met right there on the spot. He didn't know them. And uh, Johnny took out his rosary, started leading the men in prayer. And about a hundred Black Lives Matter and Antifa anarchists that were hell-bent on toppling the Catholic statue. With, they, they had chains, Terry, oh and crowbars. Oh, my God. Okay, well, these anarchists, obviously, they were screaming and cussing and, and threatening these seven Catholic men, uh, my brother Johnny being one of them. They were threatening them with violence if they didn't move out of the way. My brother Johnny, <laughs> people were recording him on, on, on their phone, and I watched it later on on YouTube. He was standing his ground. He was facing off with a hundred guys that had crowbars and chains. And my brother's there with six other guys. You know, uh, and again, these these anarchists were threatening them with violence. The poli- uh, so I watched this on a video. Somebody said it to me later. Uh, somebody obviously who was there. But again, my my brother Johnny, he didn't call up his pastor or his bishop. You know, like some sissy effeminate man and say, "Oh, Father, can I go and defend the statue?" Oh, no, you can't because you know, just let them do what they want. Just you know, stand down and go home and pray, like they told me here in Phoenix, mm-hmm. Arizona. Yeah, uh, my brother. My brother didn't go ask his pastor, his bishop, nope. if he can go and protect the statue of Father Junipero Serra. You know why he went? 
because he loves God and he loves his Catholic faith. And you don't have to ask anybody permission when you're following the natural law and you're following your well-formed Christian conscience. And so his faith compelled him to put his body in harm's way and stand in front of the St. Junipero Serra statue in front of a mob that could have killed him and the six other guys in a heartbeat. And so I talked to my brother later on in retrospect and I kind of scolded him. I said, hey, dude, I said, you know, you could have been killed and you could have left six, six of your, your, your children orphan. I said, eh, that cro-, he told me that crossed my mind. But, you know, I, I just felt duty bound by my Catholic faith to go into the public square <laughs> and defend the statue of the church and to suffer the consequences. So, you know, that, that event, that, that's the type of speaker, that's him right. and Terry, yep. these are the type of speakers that are going to be sharing with you this Saturday. Terry and my brother Johnny, they walk the walk and they talk their talk. They're not a couple of nerds that just read theology from books and, uh, you know, uh, and, and, you know, set up these, uh, you know, these uh, schools of, of higher learning and stuff in, the, in those ivory leaf. No, these guys are bread and butter Catholic evangelists. These guys are rank and file blue collar Catholic evangelists that put their life that have put their life on the line for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, if people want to go to that conference and listen to Johnny, just go ahead and call us at 877-526-2151 or go to vmpr.org. Jess, let's then bring some soul food into this show right now from the gospel, today's gospel, and it's a, we're back in ordinary time. Yeah, today's gospel. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. <clears throat> gospel of St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 and following today, January 10th. After John had been, uh, excuse me, here, sorry, sorry. Jesus came to Capernaum with his followers, and on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, what have you come to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The essence of this today's gospel is that Jesus taught as one having authority. Now, there was an authority structure. The Pharisees and Sadducees, people saw through them. They taught with no authority. Their words were empty. Their words were in vain. People know that, yeah, they had the outfits and they had the uniforms and they had the, they were successors of Moses, but people could see that they were fake. They were, they were putting out uh, fake messages and they were fake prophets and fake priests, although they had all the you know, the, the uniforms and the affectations of, of, of the real successors of Moses. But here, Jesus Christ, we also see our Lord because he loved his people. Obviously, it says he entered the synagogue. He kept trying to evangelize his fellow people inside the synagogue on Saturdays. And it says, the Bible says that people were astonished at his teaching because they're saying, how can this son of a carpenter have this type of understanding of the law, of the prophets, of, of Old Testament Judaism, of the Targums, of the Talmud, they were just blown away by his teaching because the Bible says, for he taught them as one having authority. Why? 
Where did his authority come from? Government? No, it came from God, the Father. And people saw something different in the zeal and in the preaching of Jesus Christ. His words were as sharp and as focused as a laser beam. You also have a possessed person inside the synagogue. It says a man with an unclean spirit. The uh, demons are called unclean spirits 21 times in the New Testament. And so here's a possessed man in the synagogue. And guess what? The demon inside the possessed man, when he sees Jesus, automatically recognizes Jesus that he's the son of God and that he has power and authority over him. This demon says, have you come to destroy us? Because there was many. We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. What did Jesus do? Jesus didn't go, uh, you know, to to uh, some occultists and say, hey, you know, can you give me a magic spell so I can get rid of these demons? You know, like a lot of Catholics do. Can you go, can, they go to psychics and they go to the, you know, witches and sorcerers and warlocks. Can you give me a spell or a potion so I can get rid? No, Jesus Christ, because he's the son of God, rebuke this demon by his own authority. Quiet, come out of him. And the, the unclean spirit convulsed and left him. You'll find that convulsions when a demon leaves a possessed person, you'll find that one of the reactions before as the demons are leaving, the person will fall down to the floor and it looks like an epileptic seizure. The demons are leaving the body. And again, people looked at Jesus and they said, a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Jesus Christ performed 27 exorcisms in the New Testament. 23% of his teaching, of his ministry uh, for three years was involved in driving demons out. And the only church that has the power and authority to do so is the Roman Catholic Church. And guess what? Demons are generally driven out by you living in a state of sanctifying grace, praying, having faith, and accessing the seven sacraments of the church. That's the normative way to keep demons out of your life and your family. I love it. Before we get to Bishop Sheen, I want to welcome our new listeners. On Friday night, I went out to Redlands with Father Don Calloway, Packed church, about 700 people, couldn't have any more room. The church was standing room only. And I was able to hand out a cards and ask people in line. They came two hours before the event. So while they were standing, I'm handing cards out for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And so many of those people had laughed because they said, hey, were you that guy on the radio years ago? Well, <laughs> yeah, I said, yeah. And so they said, well, uh, w- w- Terry and Jesse, what happened to those guys? I said, well... Get your phone out. Download this app. You can hear them every day. Oh, I can? Oh, that's great. Here's my point. I spent about an hour before the oh. event walking and telling people how to, how to download the app. And there were so many people who were wondering where we went. It's been five years. We just had our anniversary on Monday, yesterday. Jesse, five years ago, yesterday, we had our first broadcast for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. They thought we were dead. They thought we were dead. And they're so happy. And then what happens? Again, yesterday in church, so I'm welcoming all these new people. A lady comes up to me. She says, hey, uh, I, I, are you that guy on the radio? Yeah. What happened to you? I can't get you anymore. Give them a card. See, I need you folks out there to yeah. order these cards and tell people to download the app because we're growing quite rapidly. One, one more story. lady comes up to me. I give her the card. She says, Four years ago, Jesse Romero gave a talk in Long Beach. I had been away from the church 15 years. I was in a fundamental church. A lady friend of ours said, yeah, go and listen to Jess Romero. I listened to it. I bought his book. I had him sign the book. And Jess Romero, he won't remember this. Jesse, you looked at her and said, go back to your roots of your Catholic faith. 
And she went, what? How did he know I've been away? He didn't. Just just happened to say yes. I've heard him say that before. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's a yeah. That's, a that's kind of a thing. standard phrase. When yeah. I, yeah. But to her, Jesse, it wasn't standard. Wow. And now she's a daily communicant. This is what Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I mean, God uses the weak to confound the strong. Yeah. Jess Romero's example yeah. one. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. He he's sixty some years old. He's got bad health, but he's still swinging the bat, and people are responding. Every day. Every day, day. Jess. And that's what makes me happy about people supporting us because they know that the lady was surprised. These people in line, they go, You're, what are you doing this, handing out? Don't you have people to hand out these cards? I said, no, I want to be personal. That's my style. Here's my cell number. If you have questions, give us a call. People are blown away because our approach is one-on-one. And that's what Virgin Most Powerful Radio does. And I want to thank everybody for supporting us here. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Full Sheena, Ed. Here's what Bishop Sheen says. He says, many souls find God because they want a religion which will make remake society without remaking it. Yeah, they want a religion that's not contrary to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Right, that's not their Catholic faith. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Wolf Virgin, Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Our engineer, Richard, has a clip that confirms what we talked about in the first segment about objective truth and about how young people are just dealing with emotions. Father Chad Ripperger's uh, comments, I think, are very apropos. So let's play those. Part of that is because it's based on the principle of eminence, which is the standard for truth is transposed from outside objective reality to the interior and once that happens it just becomes our emotions that determine our patterns of thinking it's called the effect of original sin of concupiscence it's just what's going to happen if you if if you honestly think that what constitutes truth is what you think it is well then it's just going to degenerate into feelings this is where we're at in our culture you can't offend anybody you can't say anything if you do anything you know if you're not woke then there's a big problem okay wow my truth is your <laughs> not your truth I, you know what i love about father chad he's coming to the spiritual warfare conference in march march 24th and 5th is that he speaks very clearly and uh, you know there's no ambiguity with father chad yeah that and uh He's going to be, him and Bishop Strickler are going to be the, the main attractions there. That's why people want to go. Yep. You're going to have two of the uh, most faithful prelates in the United States, bishop and a priest, yep. that are, that are again, completely faithful to the perennial teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. They will be there. And, and so we expect, uh, we expect a packed house, Terry. Oh, yeah, it's almost packed. If you're, you're still room to get tickets, go to vmpr.org. Or call us at 877-526-2151. Jess, um, can we get now to Benedict XVI yes. on going home? This is an article that, it's short, but I think it's beautiful. Let's get into that first. Yeah, Terry, this is a letter that he wrote. This goes to show you that not only is he a giant of an intellect, yeah. but there's kind, there, there's that he had that childlike faith that we're all called to have. That's this right. letter shows that he really tapped into that part of his soul that we're all called to tap into, to get, in other words, to get to heaven. Yeah. Yeah, he says this, <clears throat> Pope Benedict XVI, I hope to go home. I can't think of more powerful, of more beautiful words spoken about death than these spoken by Pope Benedict about some 10 years before his own death. 
They are part of an astounding response that the then Pope gave to a little girl who asked about his childhood. His response gives a unique perspective into the life of a man whose only earthly home was that of his family of origin. The description of the simple yet profoundly rich life in the Ratzinger household can sound like a fairy tale. Reading, hiking, singing, playing, praying. It's so ordinary and yet so extraordinary, like true human life. To hear how it affected a little boy, quote, he wrote, writes young Ratzinger, we grew up in the certainty that it was good to be a human being, close quote. <laughs> it can make us parents gulp. How might we do such a thing? How can we make such a home? The life in the Ratzinger home, just as the life of Joseph Ratzinger himself and the life of any other great man, can point us, if we have eyes to see through the accidentals, to the few things that really matter. Tolstoy famously wrote, Happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Benedict's sketch goes far in helping us discern what happy families have in common. His account paints a picture of unforgettable moments. The young Ratzinger writes, Father reads to us. Dad played the zither and sang. And at home, the big lunch together. Walking in the forest. Mm. Sunday was always the important time. And when the Kyrie began... It was as, he- as if heaven had opened up. I love it. Close quote. Yet these moments are unforgettable because yeah. of what animates them. In this remarkably accessible response to a little girl, Benedict even, even the scribe seeking wisdom, ever the scribe seeking wisdom, gives the key that explains and ties together the whole astounding account. Wow. Here's what he, here's what he said. Beautiful. In a word... We were one heart and one soul, talking about his family, Mm -hmm. with many shared experiences, even in very hard times, because it was wartime. First, there was the dictatorship, then poverty, but this love that we had for each other, this joy, even in simple things, was strong. And so we were able to overcome and endure even these things. I think that it is very important that even little things give us, gave us joy because the other person's heart expressed itself in this way. Terry, you want to pick it up? Absolutely. It begins in the heart of the parents, right? Hearts fully invested in the home and in the simple, ordinary, shared experiences of daily life. Such hearts invested in the little things precisely because they are committed to the big things. Take on a incomparable power, a power to form the hearts of children and others day by day. You know, Jesse, I, I move by this because I think of the sacrament of the present moment, that he's living moment by moment in the mm. family. He said, in this context of confidence, the joy and love, we were very happy. Of course they were. There's no secret trick. It isn't rocket science. It isn't magic, though fruits are magical in the extreme. No home life will be ever so good or bad is the sole determining factor of the course of life. But here we have a stunning account of one great and wise man who saw very clearly what a good home life can and should be. Indeed, 
what it had done for him and what it can do for us. Continue, Jess. Rather than, than an occasion for discouragement, may Benedict's account be a hopeful reminder of what home life can, can be and do. Mm-hmm. With such images in our mind, each of us can work in our own way to make our home, make much, to make more such home. Mm. Perhaps we did not, or we do not have such a home. Perhaps we have been trying and we're falling short. The truth is that all, ho- all homes fall short. Reflecting on his own life and already looking towards the next, Benedict alluded to the to almost unthinkably lofty goal of home life to give a sense and a foretaste of heaven. Oh, I love it. May our recognition of this great truth prompt us to reinvest our hearts in our homes, whatever our state in life. Mm. In the end, regardless of how men succeed or not in patterning our homes after that, there is a place of confidence and joy and love that really and truly is a home. A home for human hearts. Good Benedict, may you find paradise to be indeed something like it was in your youth. And may we strive to give to others the gift your parents gave to you and you have shared with us. Yeah, see, that that little comments there, that really touched me. I think he's giving the blueprint for family life that we all can model. Again, he's a giant intellect, but... But his docility oh, yeah. towards faith is childlike. Mm-hmm. And yet he can argue any circles around anybody intellectually. But when you read this letter, yeah. his docility to God is like exactly like a child to a father. Look at what he says. He ends mm-hmm. it here. He says, Pope Benedict writes this. Yeah. Thank you, dear, and your parents. I thank you from my heart. Well, you ask what about my memories of my family are like. There would be a lot. I wanted to say only a few things. Sunday was always the important time for our family, but Sunday already began Saturday evening. Father read the readings to us from a book that was very popular in Germany at that time. This book also included an explanation of the readings. That is how Sunday began. We were already entering into the liturgy in a joyful atmosphere. The next day we went to Mass. My home is very close to Salzburg, so we had a lot of music, Mozart, Schubert, Haida. And when the Kyrie began, it was as if heaven had opened up. And at home, the big lunch together was naturally important. And we also sang a lot. My brother is a great musician. He composed music for all of us already as a young man. And the whole family sang. Dad played the zither and sang. They are unforgettable moments. Then, of course, we took trips together, walking. We were near a forest. And so walking in the forest was very nice. Adventures, games, etc. In a word... We were one heart and one soul with many shared experiences, even in the very hard times, because it was wartime. First, there was the dictatorship, then poverty. But this love that we had for each other, this joy, even in simple things was strong. And so we were able to overcome and endure even those, even these things. I think that it was very important and that even little things gave us joy because the other person's heart expressed itself in this way. And in this way, we grew up in the, in the certainty that it was good to be a human being. Because we saw God's goodness was reflected in our parents and in, in, and in us children. Mm. And to tell the truth, if I try to imagine a little how paradise will be, will be, I think always of the time of my youth, <laughs> of my childhood. Yeah. In this context of confidence, of joy and love, we were happy. And I think that paradise must be something like how it was in my youth. In this sense, I hope to go home, going to the other side of the world. 
How beautiful. How beautiful. Jesse, that's beautiful. We're also going to include his August 29th, 2006 letter that he wrote. His spiritual uh, testament. His spiritual testament. I, I was thinking about that, Jesse. Years ago, I was told every man should write his spiritual testimony yeah. for his children. Hmm. And I thought, wow, here's what Benedict did. So when we come back from the break, we're going to cover that. And that's also very inspirational. Again, uh, I don't know if I told you, Jess, but here at Virgin Most Powerful, we have Gregorian Masses being offered for Benedict. Uh, and the reason we're doing beautiful. that is because he gave so much to the church. We don't know how, how anybody is judged. Nobody. So it's always good, and this is the principle I want to leave you on, and that is it's a good principle to have Gregorian Masses offered for anyone who passes away. We have yes. so many funerals here. I always tell people if they can spend the money, you know, please put that money towards not the flowers. I, I have right now uh, 18 flowers, in a big, like about an average of $400 a flower. So there's thousands of dollars of flowers that are going to mean absolutely nothing. If they would, could have had masses offered for that soul that's in, that, in our chapel right now, it would have been much more efficacious. So I, I'm a big mouth on having so, masses read for the departed. And even Pope Benedict, I think it's a good thing. And I bet if he was alive today, he would thank us for doing that here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So, so Jess, when we come back, let's talk about his, his, his testimony, his final spiritual testimony of what Benedict has to say. And what's important is I think I like this where he says, stand firm in the faith. That's what we need to do right now because mm. we're being under attack. And he knows all about it because he lived through it. Stay with us, family. You're listening. And he's probably seeing it right now. Oh, from the perspective that he sees now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all clear. That's what I was going to say. The eyes are open, brother. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Hit it, Jesse. Yep, we're back to the Terry and Jesse show. This is Pope Benedict's <laughs> final testament. I think it's a good idea that all men would write something like yeah. this. Think about uh, this. This should inspire you. He writes this. Yes. When at this late hour of my life, I look back on the decades I have wandered through, I see, first of all, how much reason I have to give thanks. Above all, I thank God himself, the giver of all good gifts, who has given me life and guided me through all kinds of confusion, mm -hmm. who has always picked me up when I began to slip, who has always given me anew the light of his countenance, in retrospect, I see and understand that even the dark and arduous sketches of this path were for my salvation, mm. and that he guided me well in those, very, in those very stretches. I thank my parents who gave me life in difficult times and prepared a wonderful home for me with their love, which shines through all my days as a bright light until today. My father's clear-sighted faith taught us brothers and sisters to believe and stood firm as a guide in the midst of all my scientific knowledge, my mother's heartfelt piety and great kindness remain a legacy for which I cannot thank her enough. My sister has served me selflessly and full of kind concerns for, concern for decades. My brother has always paved the way for me with clear sighted sightedness of his judgments with his powerful determination and with the cheerfulness of his heart without this ever new going ahead and going along. I would not have been able to find the right path. Wow. I thank God from the bottom of my heart for the many friends, men and women whom he has always placed at my side for the co-workers at all stages of my path, for the teachers and students he has given me. I gratefully entrust them all to his kindness 
and I would like to thank the Lord for my beautiful home and the Bavarian foothill of the Alps, in which I was able to see the splendor of the Creator Himself shining through time and through, shining through time and again. I thank the people of my homeland for allowing me to experience the beauty of faith time and again. I pray that our country will remain a country of faith, and I ask you, dear compatriots, not to let your faith be distracted. Wow. Finally, I thank God for all the beauty I was able to experience during the various stages of my journey, but especially in Rome and in Italy, which has become my second home. To all those whom I have wronged in any way, I hardly ask for forgiveness. What I said before to my countrymen, I now say to all those in the church who have been entrusted to my service, stand firm in the faith. Do not let yourself be confused. Wow. He's talking to the German bishop. He's talking to all of everybody. There's so much confusion. Continue. <laughs> yeah. It often seems that science, the natural sciences on the one hand, and historical research, especially exegesis of sacred yeah. scripture on the other, yeah. are able to offer irrefutable results at odds with the Catholic faith. I have experienced the transformations of the natural sciences since long ago and have been able to see how, on the contrary, apparent certainties against the faith have vanished proving to be not science but philosophical interpretations only apparently pertaining to science just as on the other hand it is in dialogue with the natural sciences that faith too has learned to understand better the limit of the scope of its claims and thus its specificity it is now 60 years that i have been accompanying the journey of theology particularly of the biblical sciences and with the succession of different generations, I have seen theses that, have, that seemed unshakable, collapse, proving to be mere hypotheses. The liberal generation, Harnick, Jellicoe, etc. The existentialist generation, Boltmannick, and the Marxist generation. I, I saw and see how out of the tangle of assumptions, the reasonableness of faith emerged and emerges again. Jesus Christ is truly the way, the way, the truth, and the life. And the church, with all its insufficiencies, is truly his body. Finally, I humbly ask, pray for me, so that the Lord, despite all my sins and insufficiencies, welcomes me into the eternal dwellings. To all those entrusted to me, day by day, my heartfelt prayer goes out. What a Open. giant of a man, Jesse. I mean, yeah. he is a man's man there, okay? That, that, that should bring tears to our eyes. And this is why, you know, we at Virgin Most Powerful Radio are going to pray and have Gregorian Masses, 30 Masses offered for his repose of his soul. And I just think that uh, that's the best thing we can do for Benedict, more than ta even talking about him, is to pray for his eternal rest. Remember, people, even if he's in heaven, those Masses will not go wasted. They will be applied to other souls in purgatory. So this is why it's so important every day to pray for the poor souls and purgatory. And we can't assume anybody goes straight to heaven, okay? That's just foolishness. And this idea that we have universal salvation, no, that's garbage. Benedict is asking for prayers. He's a wise man. Terry, also something Tell me. Something interesting Hit me. is, uh, again, the man was a, a giant of an intellect, Right before he died, oh, he he said he said the words of a child, exactly. Jesus, I love you. Wow. There was no, you know, deep exegesis, <laughs> deep hermeneutics, no no Greek or Latin or Hebrew yeah. being applied. 
You just go back and revert to a child when you're about to breathe your last breath. Yep. Here's what it says. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI yep. spoke four words just before his death, according to his personal secretary, Archbishop George Ganswine, who told the Vatican News that a nurse heard him, him speak the words, quote, Lord, I love you, close quote. In Italian, at approximately 3 a.m. on December 31st. <laughs> That's the beautiful thing at 3 a.m., by the way, the tradition of the church tells us is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead <laughs> at 3 a.m. Exactly. What a time to die at the too. moment Christ rises yeah, it from the dead. It blew me away, Jesse, when they said 3 a.m. Yeah, that's uh, we. Uh, Our Lady to- told uh, said that to uh, one of the uh, one of the, the, the a mystic, a nun mystic back in the in the, in the Middle Ages that Mel Gibson used to make his movie, The Passion of the Christ. Yeah. Uh, uh, Venerable Maria of Agreda, yeah, in her book, uh, The Mystical City of God. Yeah, I remember that book. Yeah, yeah. these are these are uh, revelations that the Blessed Mother told her. She basically gave her the details of the of the life of Jesus Christ that the Gospels don't tell us about. Our Lady told told her, and she wrote it down. And one of the things that she says in that book, the mystical revelations of uh, of Mary Vigreda, uh, uh, on uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ, she said that he rose from the dead at three a.m. She also says that she was the first person to see him. Yep, and you know, Bishop. Uh... Pope Benedict XVI said this, and I quoted it at the the end of my book on how to share your faith with anyone. I'll repeat it. He says, there's nothing more beautiful than to be surprised by the gospel, by an encounter with Jesus Christ. He says, there is nothing more beautiful than to know him and to speak to others of our friendship with him. And I think that's what Benedict did, Jesse. He, He shared the gospel with us in season and out. And for that... I publicly thank him because what he did for me is gave me moral clarity at a time when we were hit with all kinds of of confusion. And that's why I think what what was so beautiful when he said that we need to stand firm and and don't be deceived and uh, know your faith well. Those are great statements from a pope, especially in the times we're living in when there's so much confusion. I think... If we can continue to resurrect his writings, I think the church would benefit greatly from that. Pope Benedict, he, he uh, lived in uh, a residence called Mater Ecclesia Monastery, uh, Mother Church Monastery. He was there in Rome since his resignation. It became like a second house. Yeah. I think, Terry, hopefully, Tell me. Uh, I hope that uh, Archbishop Ganswine you know, receives this apostolic courage and zeal and clarity. Oh yeah, to tell us a lot of things about Pope Benedict that we need to know. He is. because he 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 knows, as they say, Terry, as they say in police work, he knows where all the dead bodies are. Ganswine does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because he was the Pope's secretary for like twenty five, thirty years. So hopefully, in this tell all book. Yeah, he says that nothing but the truth. That's the name of the book. Yeah, hopefully we're going to learn things that we need to know that are going to advance the cause of Christ in the third millennium. And I would say pray for him because he just had a visit with Pope Francis. I understand that Pope Francis called him in regarding his book, and I hope and pray that he can stand up to whatever... he, you know, whatever it happens the pr- to him. The pressure, Terry, yeah, the, the pressure, political pressure. He might be thrown out like 
Burke and like uh, Cardinal Seurat and others uh, that have been taken up when they don't follow uh, the, the, the line of him. And so I say this, uh, Archbishop George, we will pray for you that you will be able to stand firm in sharing the news of Benedict's life uh, and pass it on to us so that we will all be inspired in spite of any persecution you get. Yes, and Terry, uh, there, there are, again, I think a lot of things are going to be coming out in the next couple of days, oh, weeks, yeah. and months. Uh, because, again, there's already articles on LifeSite News and other good websites right. that talk about uh, this one Italian general. Uh, he was a de- an Italian brigadier general. Right here. Yep. Uh, yeah, he says that Pope Benedict was forced to resign weeks after the 2005 election. Yep. And he basically, he says it was, uh, it was U.S., uh, the, the U.S. was behind this. There's another article I've seen. Archbishop Negri says Obama was behind the forced resignation of Pope <laughs> Benedict XVI. Yeah. And there's another article on newspunch.com. It says Pope Benedict was forced out by the deep state. And it goes into details. George Soros, it, it goes, goes into the weeds in some of these articles. So needless to say, he was a hated man. Why? Because of his orthodoxy. Not because of his looks or the way he parted his hair. It's because of what he taught. And they look, they look at him, historians are saying, like, you know, uh, uh, Sochi and Cassiori in Rome, they're saying that this is the last of the traditional popes. With his death, yeah. we're entering into kind a of new a, territory. New, a new territory. This yeah. is the last of the traditional popes. Yeah. And Jesse, I just want to share a book. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure I pronounced the Latin. In Sinus Jesus. It's a Benedictine monk who wrote his reflections before the Blessed Sacrament, and he really, uh, it's a book that Bishop Strickland loves and other priests love. Here's what was said about Benedict in 2008. He said, Pope Benedict XVI, he has a great need of your prayer for him. He's not entirely free to follow through on certain decisions that he's already taken in his heart. Pray, pray that the obstacles that surround him may be removed and that he may find collaborators who are loyal, pure, and true. Wow. That's what he was up against, Jess. God wow. Has. Hey, Brother Jess, what state should we be living in? In the state that I believe Pope Benedict was found in, yeah. in the state of sanctifying <laughs> grace. Amen. Uh, not, not everybody's going to be found. Don't be found in the state of Judas Iscariot, the state of mortal sin. Pray a rosary. Read your Bible every day. Reject the zeitgeist, the spirit of this age. And allow yourself to be transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ and His Holy Gospel and the Holy Eucharist. And the way to do that, what Jess just said, the Eucharist. Spend time before our Eucharistic King. Remember Our Lady said at Fatima, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Spend a little time before the Blessed Sacrament today. Pray for Pope Benedict. Pray for Pope Francis. Make reparation for the sacrileges that are going on in our country and in our church. Because... This is what we can do. We're not in management. We're in sales. But man, yeah. can we offer our prayers and sacrifices? Absolutely to change the world. You Thanks again it. for listening to the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Hotel. God bless you.